Hello again, everybody, and welcome to City Talk. And our guest tonight is a little different from radio and television, but he is the outreach director of the Perkins Talking Book Library in Watertown, Massachusetts. And Aaron Fergola, it is a, it is a pleasure to have you here. Books are one of the main staples of my life these days. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having I've me. Since I've been retired. Mm. Now, to get started, let's talk about the difference between the talking book library and audible books and books that people hear that are advertised on the radio, like books on tape. Mm. What's the difference? That is a great question. Um, so... What we basically um, cater to is accessibility, and that is the main point. That's the main difference between what we offer and what you'd be able to get from many other mediums. Um, with books on tape, with books on CD, there's going to be multiple um, uh, mediums. There's going to be multiple forms that that book is going to be saved on to. Um, that means that after you're done with one, you need to take it out. You need to replace it with another one. And those can be a little confusing, especially if you have difficulty seeing what's on the label. They are not tactile. The CDs, there's no tactility to them. Um, I like that word. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. I got to remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there is no um, way to differentiate one CD or one cassette from the other one um, unless you do have some kind of accessible feature built into it. Um, the books and the materials that you would get directly from our library all have that built in from the ground up. So our books, the most um, uh, popular medium for us to deliver these resources is via um, the digital cartridges. The cartridge is roughly about the size of a deck of cards. It's in essence a USB thumb drive and all the information is stored on side of that. Um, you would plug that into a talking book machine, which are on loan from the library completely free. And on the cartridge, they have Braille and large print. Um, they um, cannot be inserted incorrectly. There's only one way to put them in. They are very resilient. Um, uh, they are designed from the ground up to be something which anyone would be able to have access to. Oddly enough, there is a uh, another feature which I only recently learned about these cartridges. If you leave, if you lay it face down on a table and you push on one end where the finger hole is, the finger hole is designed to make it easier to, to insert and remove. Right. But if you push down on that end, it'll angle the cartridge up, and that angle will allow it to easily slide into the machine. So oh. anyone with um, some mobility concerns, MS, Parkinson's, uh, cerebral palsy, they would be able to. Uh, more easily inserted into the machine. Um, we also, just, just, uh, aside from the fact that all the machines have very tactile buttons, they're high contrast, they're very easy to use and to tell one button from another, um, we have peripherals, which are available upon request. If anyone needs one, they can reach out to us. And we have a remote control, which can be plugged into the side of the machine, mm -hmm. um, which makes it a little bit easier for someone who, um, who uh, is in need of that kind of accessibility. Uh, but we also have something known as a breath switch. And the breath switch is another peripheral which plugs into the side, um, which would allow someone who has very, very limited mobility um, to use their breath to control the machines. And from the ground up, everything is designed to bring accessibility and functionality and usage to everyone. That's, that's our our, our, our motto is that reading is for everyone. And if anyone has difficulties, they can reach out to us to get free services directly sent to their home. All right. Now, for those people like myself, uh, I am lucky enough to be mm. able to download books onto my iPhone. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and I think it's great because I have a Bluetooth speaker at home and, and I love it. I love listening to a book mm -hmm. either via my set of Bose headphones mm -hmm. or uh, sitting there with a Bluetooth speaker. Mm. And, and I think that, that being able to download that is, 
is great. Mm. It's another great service. Yeah. As I mentioned that the number one medium for delivering these um, uh, accessible options to our patrons is via the post. So they would have a machine and they would receive the books through the mail. Um, the other method, which is um, growing uh, hugely popular, and that is the BARD service. Um, BARD, it stands for Braille and Audio Reading Download. Uh, not only does it have um, access to our entire um, Braille collection, um, which is rather expansive, but it has our entire collection of audio recordings, digital audio um, titles. So if somebody wanted to um, download a book directly to their device, if they had uh, an iOS, um, sort of like an Apple product or an Android product or an, even an Amazon Kindle Fire, they would be able to download directly to their device. They can keep it as long as they want. As soon as it becomes available, they can download it immediately. 24-7, seven days a week, nights, weekends, there is no limitation. The only limitation would be um, how much battery you have on your device um, and how much space that you have. Um, we, um, You just need to have internet access and then the sky's the limit. I, ch I checked the BARD website every day. Mm -hmm. I checked it this morning. Didn't find anything that I wanted. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> Well, that's the beauty of it, though, is that there's such a wide range. Like, if you don't like something, it's not that big of a deal. You can either put it back in the mail and send it back to us, or you can just delete it and look for something else. But with so many options, of course, there's going to be bound to be things that, you know, you're not too keen on. But there's going to be so many things, though, that you didn't even realize and could be opened up to. It's such an amazing thing. Let's talk a little bit about you. When and how did you get involved with Perkins? Oh, um, well, I started um, a little over a year now. Um, I had a background with uh, marketing and outreach and um, operations management, and I have a penchant for uh, design and um, layout work. Um, I love doing um, uh, different types of, of projects that we have. And it's such a wide range. We could do any number of things from um, organizing a, a, a function at the State House to um, we have a library um, uh, without walls program, which brings in speakers. And we have um, uh, an author event. So one of the speakers from the library without walls is going to be coming to the campus. Um, it's going to give um, uh, people an opportunity to come and, and go into the community and listen to a, a speaker and understand um, uh, what their uh, media or th what their craft is and how they um, create um, so as many kind of um, uh, things that I can be involved in with the library, I, I've never had a job before where I truly loved what I did. Um, being in charge of outreach for the for the NLS library here in Massachusetts is um, a really fulfilling job. I, I get to speak to a lot of people firsthand and I try to remind all of my colleagues just how much we all are able to participate. Now, I'm, I'm, um, thankfully, I'm the person on the front of the line talking to most of the people. So when they are saying to us how important this has been for their family or for themselves or for their parents, um, their children, um, I'm able to, to, to hear that. And it's very reaffirming. Um, and so this is a very fulfilling job. I've never enjoyed coming into work like I do coming into the library. And each day we're really impacting, we're really changing people's lives and really improving quality of living for countless people. All right. So who is coming uh, to Perkins? Oh, we have um, an author. Her name is Beth Finke. Um, we are still hammering out the details, so we haven't published anything just yet. But you can okay. follow us on Twitter. We are at Perkins underscore library. Um, and you can also visit our website, which is uh, perkins.org forward slash library or perkinslibrary.org. Either one will take you to our page. Now, I was at Perkins maybe a year 
year and a half, two years ago, it's hard to remember, mm -hmm. when you had two talking book readers, mm. and I'm, I'm sure this is going to be familiar to many of our listeners, but it was a father and daughter, mm. and it was Jack and Jill mm -hmm. Fox. Mm -hmm. And it was a real kick for me because I've listened to Jack Fox for years mm -hmm. and also read stuff by his daughter. Mm. And are, are you doing that with yes. some of the readers? Well, this is the <laughs> same kind of event. We are hoping to... <laughs> Um, we are hoping to kind of expand upon um, what we've done before and to um, uh, hopefully redo a lot of things. But we're also looking to explore different um, offerings. And the, 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 the more opportunities that we can have, not just for people to participate with the services, because it's something you need to keep um, in mind. The, the library is entirely designed to provide material directly to the, to, to the patron's home. They do not need to go into the community if they don't feel comfortable or if they're unable to. What we want to provide are as many events that people can go and participate and be part of and be accommodated for. And it's, it's raising awareness. It's bringing um, attention to the needs of others and making sure that everyone's being heard. And these kind of events, the more that we can draw attention to it, the more that we can bring up to um, uh, as, a, as a talking point, like, oh, like, you know, Beth Finke, um, um, she is, in fact, a blind writer. Um, she has written books about her experiences, about um, some of the challenges that she may have. Um, she's a very accomplished and a, a very um, um, inspiring individual. So having her um, come and speak with our groups, we're hoping to not only provide entertainment, but also inspiration. Give yourself a plug. I know one of the uh, <laughs> upcoming guests that you're going to have. Tell us a little more about Library Without Walls, but also about uh, Laura Generelli. Oh, yeah, Laura. Um, um, yeah, um, I don't recall what day precisely that she is going to be coming on, but I do April believe— April 17th. Thank you so much. I was going to say, I do believe it's coming up <laughs> soon. Um, yeah, Laura Generelli is a narrator um, out in D.C., so that's the um, the parent— um, uh, location. Every state has an NLS library. Uh, not every state has a recording studio. Fortunately, we do have a recording studio at the Perkins Library. We are one of the few NLS libraries, so one of the few states in the country which can also produce material. Uh, other libraries and other patrons in other states and parts of the country will be able to listen to. Um, Laura Generelli works in D.C., so she is one of the professional narrators that produces material directly for the NLS, and then that information is shared and dispersed through all the other NLS um, branch offices. So um, we have two locations in Massachusetts, but um, either way, you don't need to go to the location to get services, but it is it is interesting to know where they come from. So Watertown is the main library, and then Worcester is the other one. That's our, our sister library, and Worcester holds and houses all of our large print materials, and Watertown houses everything else. And if anyone wants to come out to either location for a visit, they of course can. It's a lovely campus, and the, 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 the library in Worcester is gorgeous, um, but but uh, there is no need to if somebody, you know, lived in Pittsfield. <laughs> they don't got to go to Watertown to, right. to come and, and get books from us. We'll send them to them. I remember getting a tour of Perkins mm. with a friend of mine a few years ago. And one of the things that was awe-striking mm. was looking at a globe oh, yeah. that Helen Keller mm. actually had touched. Yeah. It was a very moving experience. That is so interesting that you said that. Yeah, Helen Keller actually held that globe. And not only Helen Keller, but we've had a number of presidents as well. Have come and touched that globe. And what I find so moving about that is that great lengths have been made to keep that in the public. There has been discussion in the past about the age and the importance of this artifact because that's really in essence what it is. It's an artifact. Mm -hmm. um, there's been discussion about keeping it behind glass um, to preserve it as best as possible. But that would take it away from the whole purpose, the, the reason for the museum, the reason for having so many features and facets about the, the school and about the library is that um, 
it's tactile. Someone can put their hands on that. Someone can feel it. And to know that I am holding something that um, uh, Helen Keller, the presidents of the United States, some very powerful and inspirational people in this country, um, it is moving. Mm -hmm. um, it's very um, awe-inspiring, as you pointed. Now, someone can obtain a recorder or a player, mm -hmm. they're not recorders anymore, mm -hmm. to play the cartridges. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and there are, uh, uh, braille notes are there to tell you how to get started. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to follow the instructions mm -hmm. that, that are provided. But suppose you have an iPhone mm -hmm. and you want to learn how to be able to download the books and be able to play them either on the phone or with headphones mm -hmm. or through a Bluetooth speaker. How is one able to learn how to do that? That one's a little bit more um, involving. Um, we have, um, because of the machines, because they're universal, it's very easy for us to share information. It, in fact, if you have one of the talking book machines, and this is a little pro tip that not everyone knows about, if you have one of our standard talking book machines or the advanced talking book machine, if the machine is turned on and there is no book inside of it and you press any button, it'll explain to you what that button does. So if you're unsure what the sleep button does, all you need to do is make sure that the machine is turned on and there is no book inside of it, press the button and it'll give you about a minute long, minute and a half long explanation as to what that button does. As far as iPhones and smart devices, however, that is a little bit more um, involving. Um, there's a bit of a learning curve to it. Um, before you could even um, address using the app, first you need to understand that a smartphone does not have any buttons to it. It is a, a screen that is um, um, without any um, any any tacticity, as we mentioned earlier. Right. Um, but there is... Um, a learning curve to it, and if you can learn how to use the machine, and an iOS device right out of the uh, out of the gate is very accessible. So that's really the um, um, uh, the go-to for a lot of people. But uh, Microsoft using their PCs and uh, Android using their smart devices, they are uh, becoming more and more aware of it. Um, there are ways to learn from your device how to turn on apps and how to um, do basic functions, how to turn on features with your phone, um, and then once that. Um, has been uh, understood. Once the, the user is a little bit more familiar with that, then they can start using individual apps. Um, our app is uh, downloaded. You can either go to the um, um, Google Play Store, you can go to the Apple Store, and you can download um, the, um, uh, the app. It's just B-A-R-D, N-L-S, B-A-R-D, um, and then you'd be able to um, open it up. If somebody had questions about their their particular um, uh, device, they could contact us. But because each device is so unique, it, it's a little bit more difficult for us to be able to help out. Um, if somebody um, were not very comfortable using um, uh, the iOS or the Android device or the Amazon Kindle device and they wanted to have a, a physical device, we would send that to them. Mm -hmm. So that's always an option. Um, if somebody wanted to do both, we can do both. That's no problem at all. Having access onto the device, it does have its benefits, but there is a bit of a learning curve as well that does need to be um, addressed. But for anyone who doesn't want to um, learn new technology, then of course the talking book machines are available. We have the advanced machine with more buttons and more features. And we have the standard machine, which is a little bit easier, a little bit more user-friendly to use. Now, uh, I will tell you how I learned how to do it. Oh, please. Uh, I worked with uh, a gentleman named Richard Flint mm. at the Mass Commission for the Blind, and he verbally uh, helped me write out the instructions mm on braille paper, and I would look at them every day, like uh, go to go to this, go to that, you know, mm -hmm. flick to the left, 
or flick to the right or whatever mm -hmm. until the ma machine says, get books, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera. And I eventually had reached the point where I didn't need those instructions anymore and it just all popped into my head and I'm able to do it now without it. Oh, that's great. So that's how I learned how to do it. Mm. So there are different ways of, of learning how to do it. I know that the people at the Mass Commission mm -hmm. uh, in whatever area you're in can help you if you need it. Uh, uh, there are counselors that uh, can come out to your home mm. uh, if you need help as well that are familiar with the, with the iOS devices. Now, let's, let's talk about the books themselves. Mm -hmm. When I first started talking books, which was, I hate to admit it, <laughs> but in the 60s, mm. every talking book was prefaced by recorded solely for the use of the blind. Mm -hmm. That obviously has changed. Yeah, we've ex expanded. Um, the whole program originally had been designed to help um, veterans, uh, veterans who have lost their vision um, due to war. Um, and then gradually they started realizing that there is a lot of people who could be utilizing this amazing service if we just open it up to them. So that um, inclusivity has been expanding. Um, we oftentimes have um, – uh, a lot of misinformation about who is eligible for these services. A lot of people assume that because we are on the campus of the Perkins School for the Blind, that the Perkins Library would only provide for um, uh, people who are completely blind, people who are alumni or are current students. Um, uh, but in all actuality, um, anyone who is in Massachusetts, if you're a Massachusetts resident, then you'd come to us. If you're outside of Massachusetts, then we can refer you to their um, library. But here in Massachusetts, um, any resident would be able to receive free services if they qualify um, for a type of eligibility. And that eligibility could be um, vision loss. It doesn't mean that someone's legally blind, but it could be a degree of vision loss where it makes it difficult for them to read for extended periods of time. They develop headaches because it's just too difficult for them to read. Um, somebody with mobility issues, um, MS or Parkinson's, cerebral palsy, someone with severe arthritis, someone who's had a stroke, um, someone who in, in cases someone could be missing a limb and that would make it difficult. Um, this is not meant to be a huge hurdle that makes it difficult for people who are in need to receive services. Um, all we need to do is just be able to verify that someone would be um, uh, helped by having this, this access if they have what's known as an organic condition. Um, so the example that I give to people, I would not be eligible because of, um, say, vision loss because even though I do wear glasses and if I took my glasses off, I would struggle to read. Um, however, with my glasses, with corrective measures, then I can read just fine. Um, but there are certain people out there who, even with the most um, advanced corrective measures possible, um, would be eligible. Uh, like for a dis example, dyslexia. Dyslexia is considered a reading disability. Um, so someone who has been diagnosed with dyslexia could gain access to uh, a wealth of information that could help them to grow and to read and to, to keep them entertained and enlightened. I would venture to guess that because of things like audible.com uh, mm -hmm. and the share uh, website or whatever, mm -hmm. that the talking book people have to get books out a lot quicker than they used to. That's interesting. We actually um, have been in some ways partnering with certain third-party groups, including Audible, um, so that some of their titles are available through um, our service to our patrons at absolutely no cost. Um, it doesn't mean that it's free. Unfortunately, there is, of course, always cost involved. But um, thankfully, due to um, uh, benefactors, due to um, legislators, due to people who really care about the community, uh, people who would be eligible, not just the blind community, but people with disabilities, um, thanks to these advocates and these um, outspoken individuals, we are able to um, continue to grow our library, not just um, uh, material which we produce, but also material produced by third-party groups as well. 
Um, so Audible and these other groups. Now, they do a phenomenal job in, in, in producing this material just as our own um, recording studio does. One of, the, <laughs> one of the challenges that we've run into, though, is it's, um, it's interesting to see how some third-party groups qualify uh, material which may be uh, considered a little bit uh, um, more inappropriate. Like, like, like we, <laughs> we will exclude material. If somebody contacts a library and they say, you know what, I don't want to read anything with you know, explicit language or gratuitous violence or you know, any number of other um, disqualifiers. So we can gauge that person's preferences based upon what they tell us. Um, unfortunately, though, that is subjective. <laughs> um, what one person may find to be obscene, another person may not. So it can be a little tricky. Um, but what matters most, though, is that people know that there are multiple sources of information which are coming together to provide for our patrons. And all that they need to do, they don't need to worry about signing up with Audible or with any of these other parties with um, Amazon or anything. They just need to be a patron of our library. It's right. absolutely free. There is no downside. If you ever want to um, no longer be a patron, you can always contact us. If you should move away to another state, then you'd still be able to get services. Um, if you go on vacation, if you if you travel abroad for a month or so and into another state, then you would still continue to receive services from us. We are a one-stop shop that far exceeds the um, abilities of many, many other um, uh, for-profit organizations. Now, on the BARD website, I have noticed that books from other libraries mm. are promoted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we have an interlibrary loan. Um, we have one of the largest Braille collections in the country. Um, we are able to lend that out um, through the interlibrary loan. Um, so if somebody wanted something which is not in a digital format, uh, like we have in, in instances ordered cartridges for people if they need one. It's, you know, it's in a, a nearby location. Uh, we can also make duplications of cartridges because they are digitally um, housed. It's not in the same format as when you used to have LPs or the cassettes where they were all saved on the device itself. And if you lost that device, then you lost the, that that particular recording. Um, with the cartridges, it's all digital. So in, if, if something came back and it wasn't working correctly, um, we could very easily just try to re-record over it. You know, it, it's it's not so much the hardware that could go; um, it's just uh, the, the 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 ones and zeros as it is. So it's it's a lot easier for us to work with digital form um, than some of these other um, uh, mediums. All right. So now let's let's talk a little bit more. What happens? And what determines what books get recorded? Oh, good question. So we do have a number of committees which are involved in that. Um, but what is important for our patrons, for the, for the listeners here to, to know is that um, contacting your libraries and telling them what you want really helps us grease the wheels. The example that I'm going to give is the Fire and Fury book. Ah. Uh, yeah, whether whether you're a fan of the book or you're not a fan of the book, it was a hugely requested item across the country. Everyone wanted to read that book. They expedited the production of that book. We originally got a notice from um, the Library of Congress, or rather the NLS and Library of Congress, saying, um, you know, we're going to have it soon. Just you know, tell people you know as soon as we possibly can, and they expedited that book. Yeah, and it was out in a week. I've never seen a book produced that fast. Yeah, I um, never have either. But but it, it it it's it's hearing from people. It's knowing what they want. This is how we can better ourselves and better our service and better um, the quality of material that we provide for our patrons. Is is is, is vocalization. Is is you know getting your voice out there and being heard. And we're here to help. But the more that we know how to help people, the better that we can do. All right. And where are recording studios. I know there's one in Washington, obviously, mm -hmm. because of Laura Generelli. I know mm -hmm. that the American Printing House for the Blind has one. I know that or there were, and I assume still are, 
studios at the American Foundation for the Blind in mm-hmm. New York. What am I leaving out? Oh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, but um, as I was saying before, like every um, state has an NLS library. So not every state has a recording student at that NLS library. And forgive me because I don't know off the top of my head the other states which do, um, but there is not a recording studio everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there is still a fair amount. So if somebody wanted to create a book, let's say that you know there was a, a title that the NLS wanted to do in DC that was uh, Massachusetts related or it was by a Massachusetts author, um, that would be a, a public interest kind of thing. So they would more than likely send it along to us and say, you guys have a recording studio. Can you produce this book? Mm-hmm. Um, it is a rather involving process though. Um, it can take up to two years for us to create one title. Whoa. Yeah, it is. It, it's a, a little a little bit involving, but the 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 quality um, and the the echelon that you would receive from our caliber of recording, it's going to be exceptional. And we are not going to produce anything that is anything less than the highest of caliber. I will tell you one instance that I've seen with one book and, and never with any other. Mm-hmm. Terry Francona, the ex-manager of the Boston Red Sox, mm-hmm. wrote a book called uh, The Red Sox Years. Mm-hmm. And Perkins took the CDs that it had been recorded on and made and put them on cartridge and made them available to anyone that was a member of the Perkins Library. Mm-hmm. The National Library Service got another reader to read the book and it was available nationally but with a different person <laughs> and they didn't use the CDs but the book was still available. I had never seen that and I've never seen it before. Or it since. happens. It actually it happens. Um, if you check, um, we will have titles which were originally recorded on tape and then those titles have um, been transposed over onto the digital format. But then the Library of Congress, the NLS, will create the same title again. Um, they've updated it. So it could be a, 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 a possibly you know, a different version, a different edition of the, of the book. Um, but it could just be we had an original recording which was on the tapes when uh, – with the tapes every um, – e- even though they're now all um, uh, one long recording, they had been saved on several different cartridges, several t- different sides of the cartridge. So every time it would say to you, turn over, um, this is side um, B. Yep. You know, so that – that audio is not necessary and there will be a disclaimer at the beginning of those recordings, the ones which had been transposed from um, uh, cartridge to a digital format saying disregard that, like that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to flip anything over. Um, so it does make sense for us to eventually um, um, uh, phase out those recordings, especially for the popular titles. But admittedly, there are it, – it's more common than you might think of. Um, but you can always call us up if you'd like to, to compare the two. Um, give us a call. You know, we can, we can send you two different versions of it and you can pick which one you like best. I, I enjoy – because I've done it so long, I enjoy hearing old mm. books that they have converted mm-hmm. to digital recordings. And I enjoy hearing readers like Ray Fouché, for mm. example, reading a book that's 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may have read it before, but geez, it sounds great <laughs> hearing it again yeah. and, and, and hearing it from cassette to, to digital format. Mm. I absolutely love it. Now, Let's suppose that a book that you want to get read mm-hmm. is not being done mm. for whatever reason. National Library Service isn't doing it. The Talking Book Library isn't doing it. Can you buy the book and go to Perkins and say, listen, 
I want you guys to record this book for me. How can you do it? Do I have to pay for it? Mm. Um, well, yes. Um, we are going to look for the best options for our patrons. And if this is a title which is available in another um, format, another medium, we can refer them over to that if we don't have access to it. Because the, the, the actuality of it is um, there are countless titles which are being produced every year. It's very difficult for us to have copies of every single one and be um, absolutely impossible for us to do a recording for every single title. Mm -hmm. um, some of the most popular titles are going to be the ones which we're able to produce because there is as much of a demand for it as possible. Um, for some smaller, uh, maybe lesser known titles, even though they could be uh, the most amazing story, um, it may not be available through us in that medium. However, if there is another option, if there is a, a way for us to be able to find that resource for a patron, then we're going to do everything we can to provide it to them. If they um, say an example is um, textbooks, let's say that someone were a student and they needed to have a textbook or parts of a textbook um, uh, transposed over into uh, an audio format, there are options that we can help out with that um, say um, OCR and text-to-speech. OCR stands for Ocular Character Recognition. TTS is text-to-speech. Um, this is technology which allows someone to take printed material and convert it over and have it read aloud to them um, uh, by a computerized voice, similar to a GPS voice. Um, if that's not an option, if somebody wanted to have a human um, reading um, the actual text from the book, which would, of course, be the most professional and the, 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 the best um, result, mm -hmm. um, they can contact the library. We do have an opportunity. It is a, a, a fee for service, so you would need to, to, to pay for the cost of the, the time used for it. Um, but we could produce material that way. Um, but there are other options, though. That's that's um, one way to go. But if somebody were in need, though, the first step would be to contact the library and let us know what it is that we um, can possibly try to work towards. And if it's something as simple as saying, "Yeah, you've been asking us about that book too," um, let's let people know. Like, you know, let's let's send up a, a smoke signal. Let's you know set up the alarm. Let's you know run a flag up the pole. Let's make people aware that there is a demand for this title, and we'll see what we can do to expedite it. Um, if not, then we can explore some other options. It may be just something that you could purchase if you went to Audible and we just don't have it in our collection. Um, or it could be um, uh, a, a CD recording or something else from a, a local library that we can do an interlibrary loan for you with. Um, but if, if at all possible, we're going to make it accessible and easy as, uh, as can be for our patrons. All right. There's a book that I want, <laughs> a book that's been written about Jack Benny. Mm -hmm. um, it hasn't been out very long. Mm -hmm. Now, if nobody records it for whatever reason, would you be able to get it in an audible format with a computerized voice on a cartridge? On a cartridge, yeah. Um, we do have um, an ability, which I refer to these individuals as power users. They're um, going to be a little bit more technologically savvy, have um, some computer training. Um, we can um, help with certain things. One thing that we um, um, have for our Patrons is an, a, a way for it, – it's called Bard Express. Mm -hmm. and it's a way for them to create their own cartridges. So we would send out a, a, a cord which would plug into a, a computer. It's a USB plug and then there would be on one end the USB port and the other end would be um, a, a port that the cartridge would itself fit into. Um, once that's connected to a computer, you can put um, uh, other books on there. You can put compilations of books. You can download from um, our BARD internet access point and then um, create your own title, uh, your own um, compilations on there. Um, if you wanted to, you could put music on there or your own personal recordings if you so chose. Um, really, it's 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 the sky's the limit. Um, that is a device that the person would own, the, uh, the cartridge would own. That's their own um, cartridge. So it's not one of our cartridges. So if they wanted to um, make a, a best of hit or if they wanted to put 
um, you know, all of um, Edgar Allan Poe on one um, cartridge, then by all means, that's your cartridge. That's, you know, your access to do that. But as I said, power users, not every patron is going to um, have the desire to do that or the um, abilities to do that or the technology to do that. And unfortunately, there's um, so many people that we service um, across the country for um, all of the different range of, uh, of uh, resources. We serve about 25,000 patrons. Um, that's a huge number. Um, we do what we can. Um, but certain problems may be a little bit specific to um, uh, a particular person. So whenever possible, we're going to look for as many solutions as possible. One of those could be if you have access through another um, source, then we can help you um, um, create your own cartridge. So it's still easy to use. It's still accessible. It's still something that um, someone with um, uh, any number of uh, reasons would be able to use with ease. So you can buy – I know because I've done it. But mm -hmm. you can buy blank cartridges mm -hmm. from Perkins mm -hmm. similar to the ones that have talking books on them. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. We have our own um, cartridges which are sent out um, through the U.S. mail which are branded and they are uh, labeled and they are um, very accessible to use. And then if a patron wanted to create their own, if they wanted to buy their own cartridges, they could do that. We have on our website – um, a number of um, offerings. If they wanted to buy a case for their um, their talking book machine, um, if they wanted to buy um, any peripherals that are available on there, including the, uh, the the various size cartridges. At the moment, we only, I believe, have four gigabyte. I think the other ones had been sold out. There were um, there there was a huge amount of interest when it first became available. So we are working to get those restocked. Um, but that is a, an option for people. We we did have them going up, I believe, to sixteen gigabytes. Um, so it was rather sizable. You can fit an awful lot of information on one of the larger ones. Yeah, um, I've done it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to have um, uh, more of those soon, but we still have the four gigabyte, which is the standard. So if somebody wanted to create their own, there's still plenty of space on there. Um, when we send out a book to a patron using um, our, our, our service, using the Talking Book Machine um, program, um, it's going to be one book per cartridge. Even right. though there could be more space available onto it, we're going to only save the one book per cartridge mm -hmm. just to make it easier for the patrons. But mm -hmm. if a patron themselves wanted to create one using their own cartridge, um, they can fit more on there. They can pack it full of stuff if they wanted to. Um, the larger, you know, the 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 material meant for um, adults. That's going to be much longer and and larger in size. But there's also like the children's titles, which are very short in comparison, very small in size. You can fit tons and tons on one of the cartridges. All right. Now you have a you have a recording studio at Perkins. Mm -hmm. um, if someone is interested in becoming a talking book reader, mm -hmm. what do they have to do? And then and then. How do they pass the uh, the test to become a narrator? <laughs> well, there's really only one way to pass a test to become a narrator, and that's to come down and to do a reading with us. And um, we'll see. Um, we're always looking for volunteers to come in and do recordings with us, especially um, any volunteers who can speak another language. Um, English is the most prolific language that we have. We have uh, materials in up to 35 different languages. Not all of those languages do we have thousands of titles of, unfortunately. So if somebody were a volunteer and they were bilingual and they could speak another language and they wanted to come down, that would be the most amazing thing ever. The more people that we can get, the more community members that we can get involved um, that are able to share their gifts, um, they can produce so much information for somebody who uh, may not have a lot um, in comparison. English, we have the most amount of information for, but if you compare that to um, you know, a simplified Chinese, Mandarin, um, not as much. So if somebody had the ability to and they had the, the resource and the time to come down and come to the recording studio, um, we'd love that. 
Um, absolutely. I, I think one of the readers <clears throat> that, that has become national was local here in Boston, mm -hmm. and I think that was Lindsay Allison. Possibly. I'm not familiar though, unfortunately. I, I may be wrong about that myself, but I think she was one who started out just as a volunteer mm. and then wound up doing service for the for the National Library Service and and get paid for reading the books. Yeah. And there have been many that have been doing this for a long time. Uh, Jack Fox is one. Mm. Uh, David Hartley Margolin, who operates out of Colorado, is another one. Um, is there anything... I mean, give yourself a plug. Phone hmm. numbers, websites, whatever you want to do. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the easiest way to reach us is via our telephone number. We have a toll-free number. It's 1-800-852-3133. And we have a local number in case you want that. It's 617-972-7240. And our fax number is uh, 617-972-7340. Six three, um, the uh, the website it's uh, www.perkinslibrary.org or perkins.org forward slash library, um, and one more time that toll free telephone number is one eight hundred eight five two three one three three. Aaron, I can't thank you enough for coming in here and sitting down and discussing this. If there's anything else you'd like to add. Please feel free to do so at this time. Oh, yeah. Actually, um, one of the things I brought, I, I brought this in case you'd like it, but this is the 2018 official season schedule for the Boston Red Sox in ah, Braille. I have one. Oh, you do? Okay. I, well, I want to make sure that came, you have one. Came the other day, Excellent. As a yeah. of fact. If somebody would like one in Braille or large print, they can contact the library and be able to um, help out with that. Um, and if you should need anything else, accessible materials, uh, audio described DVDs, large print titles, um, uh, magazines, newspapers available um, via Newsline. Um, uh, community resources. There's so many things that the, offer, that the library offers. Just give us a call. Let us know how we can help out. That's right. I've used the descriptive video. I would call mm. my friend Vicky Vote yep. in the library and say, hey, Vicky, is so-and-so got descriptive video <laughs> in it? Yeah, send it out. Uh, that's great. And, and she always does. Mm -hmm. uh, you have very capable people. Vicky and I have been friends for many years, as have I with Kim Charlson, who mm. is your uh, director of, mm -hmm. the, of the library itself. And you guys have been great and still are to be able to work with. And thank you so much for coming in here and helping prove that reading is for everyone. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Ken. And that'll do it for this edition of City Talk.